0: welcome to the entrepreneur podcast if you're growing a brand around your nerdy passion you can learn from business and marketing podcasts or you can learn from nerds like you this is the show built by bloggers cosplayers gamers artists and other entrepreneurs that are making the things you love How's it going, entrepreneurs? Welcome to episode seventy of the Entrepreneur Podcast by Under the Capes. I'm your host Tim Ludy and I've got a great episode for you today. Um, hope everyone's staying safe and staying um, productive and responsible uh, during this tough time. While everyone is doing that, I hope you're you're doing a good job Um, most importantly stay insane and um, you know keeping keeping check on that but also whenever possible hope you're uh, crushing your entrepreneur goals and and if you have been granted some extra time from this hopefully you're using it productively Um, I know not everyone has but uh, but yeah um, I got a great episode for you today. I am talking with Kyle Stephen Porter, who is an artist. He is the Pax Diversity Lounge Manager. He is a board member for FlameCon, the world's largest queer comic con. Um, that is put on by the nonprofit Geeks Out, which uh, has the goal overall goal of rallying, promoting, and empowering the queer geek community. And I first met and uh, got to talk with Kyle at the Pax East Renegades versus Paragons panel that we were both on with Victoria Tran and Anya Combs, who I have already gotten the, the opportunity to speak with in the the past two episodes. Um, Victoria from Kitfox Games, we talked a lot about independent game marketing, and Anya from Kickstarter. We talked a lot about, uh, especially uh, the Kickstarter director of games. We talked a lot about uh, strategies for Kickstarter, and um, that that panel, Renegades versus Paragons, was put on by Robin Bates from Coaching for Geeks, which I uh, I had on episode sixty-two of the podcast, and um, really appreciated him having. Me on and giving me the chance to, to meet all these other great entrepreneurs that I've, I've now had the chance to talk with. And I'm really glad I got the chance to talk with Kyle. We talk about a lot of awesome stuff here. We dive into putting on a lot of these events, which, uh, you know, as the PAX Diversity Lounge manager, he's, he's puts on the, um, he organizes that section of PAX East and other conventions. And for FlameCon and Geeks Out, they have a big presence at a lot of conventions like New York Comic Con, and um, we talk a lot about what go- what goes into that. We talk about promoting your own work, and uh, he is an artist and the co-host of the Shade of It All podcast. So we talk a little bit about uh, promoting his work at conventions and uh, paneling at conventions and... This is a great episode for anyone who's involved in interested in exhibiting at conventions, paneling conventions, um, you know, being a featured guest, any any kind of way of using live events, either organizing live events or using them to to grow your own network and, and kind of engage with people. This is a great episode for. Ha- we lost a little bit of audio. Um, we're we miss we're missing about 30 seconds of uh, exchanging pleasantries right at the beginning. So we are literally diving right on in. Um, and I hope you guys get a lot out of it.
1: I've worked on drawing pretty much my entire life. And still I, uh, I went to LaGuardia. school in New York City, which some people know better as the fame school, and despite getting in for a couple of performing arts majors as well, I chose visual art because it was my first love, so I had four years of art education in high school along with our regular education, uh, and that encompassed a bunch of different mediums there as well, Uh, so there was, as I mentioned, drawing uh, with pencil, with charcoal, there was painting with watercolor, with oil-based paint, with acrylics, ceramics, printmaking. Like they, they really went out of their way almost uh, to ensure that you, you got a little bit of everything. Uh, and then in the later two years of it, you get to select what you do. Uh, and so my senior year, I got into photography, uh, thirty-five millimeter film photography, which I guess has kind of turned me into an elitist and despite having a digital camera and and doing some work digitally as well. uh, There's, there's nothing like working with 35 millimeter foam for me. Uh, So photography, one of my main uh, mediums, watercolor drawing, cartooning. I have an iPad now, so I've started dabbling digitally as well. Um, I just, any chance I get to create, I think is good for me. Just, in life and therapeutically, but also I like being able to provide people with things that make them happy. So that I, I do a lot of that through my art. I haven't really had any complaints. So I've been keeping at it, um, and then yeah, separately uh, with Geeks Out, uh, I first discovered them through FlameCon, uh, which is the convention that we produce. It's the world's largest. LGBTQ plus Comic-Con. Um, and we are he- heading into our sixth year. Um, so I heard of it in year one, but didn't get a chance to go. Finally got the chance to go to FlameCon 2. Uh, so that was five years ago now. Math, sure. That sounds about right. <laughs> um, yeah, summer of 2016, sorry. Uh, was... Was playing con too. I'm like sitting here trying to do math in my head. My apologies. Um, so that was my first interaction with them. I had a great time. Uh, I asked how I could continue to be involved. They suggested that I volunteer with them at New York City Comic Con. Uh, so I did that. Also had a great time. Also told them, hey, let me know how I can continue to contribute. And then I wound up on the board. <laughs> we do things a little more by the book now instead of just throwing interested volunteers on the board uh but i've been on the board since the tail end of 2016 um that has seen me sit on the conventions committee which uh helps determine which conventions nationwide geeks out has a presence at um and then we're we also just make kind of collected decisions on behalf of the organization uh regarding Flamecon regarding the future of the org and all of our outreach and related activities.
0: Awesome. And yeah, what's been the experience like running or managing their presence at conventions like New York Comic Con and PAX and stuff like that?
1: Uh well, thankfully some of the larger ones it's almost uh second nature by now. Uh, so New York City Comic Con, we get lucky because that's local, so we get a lot of volunteer presence and it's mostly just facilitating badge handoff because uh, we get a finite amount of badges um, and coordinating how to get the people who don't have badges inside so they can do their volunteerships. shifts. tends to be just the most complex part of Comic Con, uh, short of the thousands of people Uh, this most recent Comic-Con actually despite having a table pretty much straight back when you enter the Jacob Javits Center here in New York, it's such a large volume of people that just walking outside to hand people badges and coming back inside took 30 minutes Um, so hopefully this year's Comic-Con is not as congested Um, but with some of the other conventions, uh, with the PAXs although that's starting to get a larger presence as well, which I'll touch on a little bit later. Um, But we've we've been to Heroes Con in North Carolina. We've gone to Awesome Con in D.C. Uh, Some of them, they really just see the people that we have with us doing all aspects of it. So setting up our table, getting our merchandise that we provide for fundraising and uh, sponsoring the org in our activities, um, all of that gets handled by whoever we have with us. Um, it's an all-volunteer-run organization uh, that includes all of us on the board. So it's not always easy to manage with people's uh, professional and personal lives uh, being able to go to all these conventions, but typically we'll have at least two of us on staff. Um, and we'll go, we'll set up the table. We will be present at the table for the uh public-facing hours of the convention um, and be there for outreach, for conversations, for fundraising, all of that. Um, Occasionally, we will also panel. Uh, You and I were together on a panel at PAX East, uh, which I feel went really great. Good turnout, fun content. Um, So it's been fun seeing the kind of evolution of our presence at conventions.
0: Yeah, then yeah, that was a great time. Um and how are you how are you guys choosing which conventions you go to? Because it seems like you go to a a good amount, but definitely have to select the right ones.
1: Yeah, especially since as people kind of embrace their inner nerds and pop culture enthusiasts, there seems to be a convention every yeah. weekend. <laughs> um and a lot of times they overlap. Uh the past couple of years which is weird because they're both run by ReedPop, So you would think they spaced them out a little more, but at least the past three or four years, C2E2 and PAX East have fallen on the same weekend. Um, so we've kind of had to split our resources. Uh, in the first couple of years, that wasn't too bad because we do have a couple of people in Chicago who have been involved with geeks out before. Um, but, you know, we've got X amount of t-shirts. And so then it kind of cuts into how many we have available at each con, when they happen the same weekend. Um, So we take a number of factors into consideration when we pick a con. Um, We actually didn't go to C2E2 at all this year. Uh, It was just the timing at the end of February didn't seem conducive to being in both Boston and Chicago, at least in the planning stages. I know Boston got cold, but it thankfully wasn't snowy, which a lot of people were worried about. But I'm not sure if they had that same luck in Chicago. We didn't want to run the risk of being stranded, heading out there or getting back. So um, certainly anytime there is a kind of local proximity where we're not relying too heavily on plane travel, that will often make or break our presence at a con. Um, We're able to take the Amtrak or the bus up to Boston. Uh, And so PAX East works very easy for us. Um, we manage the Diversity Lounge, and so we are present at all of the U.S. based pack shows. Um, that's kind of been a big determining factor in our presence there. Um, but typically, we we try to get to areas that we don't always have a presence at, either socially or through other events. Um, areas that we feel could benefit from having us there. Uh, so Heroes con in North Carolina, not the strongest showing of LGBTQ plus content there. Um, so that was a big motivating factor in our presence. Um, and then yeah, we we take a gamble on two or three new conventions every year. Uh, we applied to MegaCon in Orlando, which we did get into. Um, but that was slated to happen third week of April and it's looking like that's getting postponed. Unfortunately, uh, thanks to the state of the world at the moment, um, we applied to Denver pop culture, Con, but didn't get into that one. Um, so we're hoping to try again for that next year. Um, yeah, we've, we've got some on our radar, but kind of time of year, geographic location and whether we've got, the people who can manage the time off with, with work and with their lives. uh, Those all are ingredients in, in our
0: convention recipes. Yeah. That is interesting that you kind of do a mix like, like with PAXs and conventions that have uh, some kind of diversity lounge. Obviously that's something you want to be involved in. And, and and that was really cool that you were able to manage that. Um, And then you mentioned like other conventions that maybe have very little diversity presence. Um you want to kind of be like you want to make sure they have something.
1: Yeah. Heroes Con has been interesting because it's a pretty small con. Um and I personally haven't gone to it. Uh but from what I've heard from our board members who have gone, typically will be the only kind of content like that. Um, and it's it's made for a couple of prickly conversations, but mostly just a lot of people being incredibly grateful for our presence there um, and asking us to how they can continue to keep in touch with us and, and kind of get resources for their friends who may be local or at least not too far from North Carolina, but certainly not somewhere as accessible as New York. Um, So it's, it's nice to know whenever we are someplace and making a difference like that. Um, and I I think our work with the diversity lounge is helping kind of communicate to other conventions, the need for a presence like that. Uh, and so we've got a partnership going with AwesomeCon now. Um, previously the iteration was called pride alley. I believe that's what it's still going to be called moving forward. Um, we're up in the air about whether or not they're postponing this year as well. Uh, But we are in talks with the events that we're going to do there in relation to pride alley um, and kind of the space that's made available for the diversity contingent there. Uh, So that's really cool. And our Megacon actually reached out to us about doing a similar activation um, called tell me a love story where attendees would be encouraged to come and talk about kind of their favorite love stories from anywhere, really uh, ideally pop culture and, and comic related things, but anywhere in their lives. Um, and that is all manner of love stories. Uh, so I'm a little bummed that that's getting postponed for now, but I know that we're very excited to see what that looks like when the convention does resume, um, It's nice to be providing that outlet for people who may not have it. I know that's been a big motivating factor in why I continue to do my volunteer work.
0: Yeah, and what goes into organizing uh, like a diversity lounge or a a pride alley?
1: Uh, So with the diversity lounge, I can speak to a little (laughs) more directly uh, since I've essentially been the go-to diversity lounge guy for us, uh, the past three years running. Um, there's, there's lots of different steps. Uh, kind of the starting off point is of course, uh, outreach to organizations that we feel would be a good fit in there. Um, a lot of times that is us reaching out to people who have had a presence in the diversity lounge in the past, uh, and seeing if they have continued interest, if they have the means to come back, um, we also get funneled a couple of requests through the main PAX channel. Um, you know, some people reach out to ReadPop expressing interest in tabling. And whenever Reed feels they may be a good fit with the diversity lounge, they get sent our way. Um, and more often than not, as long as there is the space in the lounge, uh, we will give a group a shot and see how they deal with the other groups in there, what they feel they got out of the space, what the space got from their group being there. Um, this year, to my knowledge, was the largest diversity lounge that we've had uh, at any of the PAXs, uh, certainly at the U.S.-based PAXs. Uh, so we had 20 groups exhibit in the diversity lounge at PAX East, um, which was kind of new ground for me because uh, it meant, reconfiguring the layout of the room to make sure that everybody was featured kind of prominently and that we still had the space available for our attendees to come and lounge. A big part of my motivation in running the diversity lounge is emphasizing the lounge aspect of it. And so, of course, there are plenty of nonprofits and community groups uh, that provide resources into fundraising. Uh, But the convention itself can get pretty overwhelming, so having a space to kind of decompress, take a load off, recharge, uh, both physically and mentally, um, is very important to me as well. And when you can do it with like-minded people in what is generally a very safe space, uh, I think that's all the more reason to stop by. Uh, We tend to be a little bit away from the show floor, which has its pros and cons, but one of the chief pros i think is creating that space that's welcoming and very different energy from being surrounded by thousands of people on the show floor and a chance to really just kind of start over whenever you need to and take a breather
0: yeah it was definitely a more relaxed atmosphere and i think uh it packs is pretty good about having areas where you can kind of decompress a little bit or having like separate areas for um like the kickstarter lounge or the diversity lounge where you can kind of sit down for a minute
1: mm-hmm. it's important i i think a lot of people run on adrenaline uh especially if they're newer to the convention circuit or at least the pack circuit You want to get all the demos, especially like the new game that everybody's lining up for. And you want to see all the merch and get around and do the panels. Uh, And especially when you do the multi-day passes, it it can turn into a lot. Uh, And so remembering to take time to hydrate, uh, like water is so key in spaces like that, um, which a lot of people tend to overlook. They're like, I can subsist on soda and energy drinks and sure if you're doing one day, maybe, but <laughs> uh, water is important. Our bodies are water, uh, hydrate and making sure you eat, even if it's just snacks. Although of course, anytime you can sit and eat an actual meal, uh, bring food in, they'll, they'll check your bags when you're coming in, but you can bring food in, uh, cause convention center food tends to be pretty overpriced, um, so if you're on a budget, certainly eating outside or, or bringing your food in with you is key as well to just making sure you're fueled properly and getting the most out of the convention without overwhelming yep, yourself. Definitely.
0: And yeah, you you were probably running around a bit more than most uh, when we did our panel. That was one of what was it eight for the weekend for you? <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, uh, that was, I think, Anya and Victoria both juggling a larger amount of panels to than me. Uh, thankfully, uh, yeah, thankfully, I was only on two this year. I got asked to be on a third, but that one wasn't approved. Uh, they were both scheduled for the very first night of the con, uh, which was not how I would have done it. Um, but it was nice to kind of get over that hurdle early and be able to pace myself for the rest of the weekend um, and I, I, thought it was very well attended for a first night after
0: hours panel. Yeah, definitely. We had a good crowd and that was a, that was a lot of fun. Yeah. And yeah, it seems like, um, that's a really good way to get a little more exposure for Geeks Out and the Diversity Lounge and your work. Um, do you do a lot of panels at other conventions or is that a, a, a usual part of your convention strategy?
1: Uh, paneling is still pretty new to me. Um, PAX East 2019 was actually the very first time I ever paneled at all. Uh, and that was with GamerX, a really great nonprofit, uh, that is based on the West coast, uh, but typically has a presence at a lot of video game conventions. Um, so they reached out to me and asked if I would participate in their panel that they ran at PAX East last year. It was a huge success. Uh, we actually filled the room and had to turn people away. Uh, so I'm sorry to anyone that wasn't able to go to that panel, um, but it communicated the kind of necessity of panels like that to PAX such that we wound up doing that same panel at all of the US-based pack shows uh, this past year. So PAX South was the kind of retirement of that panel. uh, And then we started cycling a new one at PAX East this year. Um, So I've I've only got about a year's worth of panel experience under my belt. So I'm sure uh, my promotional kind of experience on these will will only increase the more of them that I do. Um, But yeah, I think just making connections with people at PAX. Uh, I, I met Robin at PAX East last year, and he was the one that asked to have me on the panel that I did with you. Uh, so the, going to the conventions and, and kind of networking is a start, and I'm certainly not in it to be like, uh, who can I meet and get them to put me on their panel? Um, but I think when you just find the things you have in common and when people pitch these panels, you you come across Uh, their minds when they're thinking of panelists Uh, and yeah, it's it's good practice, uh, especially for creative types, for people who do volunteer work that they want to get in front of a different audience, maybe. Um, So I've been very grateful to be able to panel and practice kind of pitching what geeks out does, what we even do in the diversity lounge, Uh, their panels at PAX. So I can speak to the work that we're doing at packs. Um, it's also great with getting, getting used to public speaking uh, and dealing with large audiences. Um, I think another thing people can take for granted is the sheer amount of people in attendance at a kind of geeky or pop culture convention. Uh, so practicing interactions with thousands of people uh, is, is a nice little bonus as well.
0: And yeah, any other, uh, anything else you do or any tips for kind of making the most of the conventions as far as, you know, meeting new people or, or getting the word out about your work? Uh, what's, what's your usual goals for a convention, I guess?
1: Yeah, um, I mean, typically, <laughs> as dire as it sounds, uh, making it through the weekends in one piece is the number one goal anytime. I do one of these, especially the four-day PAXs. They, they're they a lot because uh, it's four days to the public, but we typically come in a day before for setup, sometimes two days before if it involves cross-country travel. Um, I've gotten to the point where I leave the day after just to not have the stress of breaking the boot down and then running to get your transportation out uh, in the same night. Uh, So typically it's, it's an entire week involved whenever I go to a convention, uh, which is not an insignificant amount of time uh, to take out of one's life. Um, So, so pacing yourself, making sure that you are kind of distributing your energy uh, as needed, uh, both for you and the people around you uh, is super important. Um, But making sure you're, you're being yourself and, kind of indulging in the entrepreneurial or entrepreneurial things that, that make you tick. So, uh, yeah, I do art and I typically have some business cards with me. Um, but for the most part, the designs that I've done with geeks out are just a benefit geeks out. Um, so I help design, uh, the pronoun pin that geeks out makes available at these conventions. Um, I'm working on a design, uh, which is a little secret for now, but with any luck should have its debut uh, at one of the later spring or beginning of summer conventions. Uh, FlameCon is for the time being still a go. Uh, So you'll most likely see some new merch that I have designed at FlameCon 2020. Um, So I'm excited for that. Um, I co-host a podcast as well. Uh, where we cover recaps of RuPaul's Drag Race, um, but also kind of go off on on little tangents and slice of life stuff as well. Uh, I co-host with two comedians, so it's usually a good little gab. And a lot of times people that listen have already seen the episode, so it's not just a straight recap. So we try to mix in a little bit of our personalities as well. Um, so going to these conventions and paneling is a good chance to promote stuff like that, that you're doing on the side. Um, I often come armed with some business cards. uh, So leaving some cards around in the community spaces, like the diversity lounge and places that have tables that people access is always good. And yeah, just pitching yourself to people you admire or just anyone really um, Team 17 is a game publisher based out of the UK uh, that comes to PAX's and I love pretty much everything that I've ever played from them. Uh, they do Overcooked, they did Ukulele, uh, The Escapist, they've got a new co-op one coming out called Moving Out, which is kind of like Overcooked, but with moving. Um, and so I met some of their creators at their booth, uh, fanboyed a little, but also left my card with them and told them that I'm a big fan. I'm involved with the diversity lounge and geeks out. And if they would be open to any sort of collaboration in the future, uh, that'd be really cool. So we may see some sort of team 17 presence at flame con with any luck. Um, Yeah. It's really just a matter of trial and error. Um, People aren't into taking your card. That's cool. But you close mouths don't get fed so taking a chance and putting yourself out there a little bit even if it's uncomfortable uh just practice uh is a great way to continue your success in whatever your creative endeavors are
0: yeah and what other ways have you found successful for promoting um either your artwork or uh the shade of it all podcast <laughs>
1: uh typically word of mouth tends to work best uh chatting with people is the best way to put it on their radar um but when i panel i will plug my handles for my social media my instagram uh i have coffee which is a kind of patreon for creators um i'll i'll pitch it there uh on my business card i have links to those as well um but there's There's something to be said, even in this social media day and age, about just good old-fashioned conversation with people, um, especially when you're dealing with thousands while tabling. Uh, So, so, yeah, word of mouth. Never underestimate the power of word of mouth. uh, But any chance you get to panel or hand out a card or, or plug, some of the socials are certainly all valid avenues for promotion as well.
0: Yep. Yeah, the conventions definitely seem like the best place to have real conversations around it and, and make those word of mouth connections and, and grow the audience. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. This is this has been great, Kyle. Um, do you have one final piece of advice for someone just starting out building a geek brand?
1: Uh, if if it moves you, continue to do it. I know that there are days where I don't feel terribly motivated to create or I feel like I'm investing a lot of time and energy sometimes finances into creating and not necessarily reaping the benefits immediately um, but if it's something you really want to do I'm I'm a big believer in passion versus practicality sure you can be practical and, and get a nine to five and and pay the bills. Uh, But if you've got any sort of creative bug, any sort of geeky inkling that you want to indulge in, even if it's just a little bit of your time, uh, remind yourself that it's worth it. And you've got, it's in you. So might as well share it with everyone and keep at it. it. It's certainly easier said than done, but even if you're reaching one new person, a week uh it's it's worth doing if you've got it in you
0: Yep, definitely Um, well yeah this is this has been great um where should people go to uh learn more about you and what you're doing
1: sure uh i am the most active i believe on instagram uh so my instagram handle is kyle danger although the a is a four so that's Instagram.com slash KYLED4NGER. Um, that bio there has links to the Shade of It All podcast on Instagram and on iTunes, uh, Google Play, pretty much all podcast platforms. If you search the Shade of It All podcast or Kyle Stephen Porter, it'll show up. Um, there's my personal website, which is probably due for a little updating. Uh, but that is Kyle com, all one word, no hyphen. Um, and then I've got my coffee. Uh, so ko dash fi.com slash kyle danger on there as well, if you would like to support the art that I do. Um, yeah, I think that covers the, oh, and geeks out of course, is available on Instagram at geeks out, all one word. Uh Flame Con has a separate Instagram. Handle. I believe the Instagram for that is InstaFlameCon. Uh, you can also head to GeeksOut.org uh, and get all the information about Geeks Out, what, what conventions we're doing, and
0: all that jazz. Perfect. Awesome. Um, yeah. Well, kyle this is uh, this has been great. Uh, thanks so much for coming on. Thanks for having me. There you have it, guys. My talk with Kyle Steven Porter, PAX Diversity Lounge Manager, FlameCon, Geeks Out, and The Shade of It All podcast. Um, I got a lot out of this episode. I think he had some great advice for putting yourself out there at conventions and, and being prepared to do that with, you know, he's got some, some cards and some artwork and mostly just Introducing yourself to the people that you're interested in meeting and being open to having those conversations and making new relationships, I think is a huge part of if you're interested in going to conventions specifically to um, help you in your entrepreneur journey. I think that is a huge piece of advice. And I know that is advice that we probably won't be able to take for a little bit. Um, and that is definitely unfortunate, but we will, you know, whether it's next year or whenever things start to return to the new normal, um, the convention season will return and, uh, looking forward to seeing everyone out there and yeah. Um, so yeah, definitely give Kyle a follow at, Kyle Danger on Instagram, KyleStevenPorter.com. And you can follow Geeks Out and InstaFlameCon on Instagram as well. And check out GeeksOut.org for all of their information. So I hope you guys got something out of this episode. I hope you learned something. And I hope it inspires you to keep running and, and finding new ways to improve your entrepreneur journey. Until next time, I'll talk to you guys soon. Thanks so much for listening to the Entrepreneur Podcast by Under the Capes. I hope this episode has helped motivate you to either start or grow your geek brands. If you like the episode, I would love if you could give us a rating and a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you happen to be listening from. And feel free to connect with us on social media, on Twitter, at Under the Capes, on Facebook at Under the Capes, and on Instagram at Under the Capes Cosplay. Thanks so much, and have a great day.